Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Thursday, May 11th in Hong Kong, Wednesday, May 10th in New York. And coming up today, U.S. retail inflation moderates in April, giving the Fed room to pause in its rate hiking cycle. Walt Disney loses streaming subscribers in the latest quarter. China names little known government official Li Yunzi as top financial regulator. Santos pleads not guilty to 13 federal counts freed on half a million dollars bond. Debt ceiling sites not talking publicly of any progress today. Hong Kong legislators pass another step in Beijing's quest for judicial control. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Walt Disney reported second quarter's sales and profit in line with Wall Street expectations. Disney's direct-to-consumer segment, which includes its Disney Plus streaming service, posted a loss of $659 million, but that was significantly lower than the $850 million that analysts had projected. We get reaction from Jamie Lumley, senior analyst at Third Bridge Group. Trimming those losses is definitely one of those things which Bob Iger is putting at the top of his to-do list. And certainly, I think there is some encouragement to be found in that those losses are being trimmed. But again, it is a large amount of money which is losing and also coming off the backs of uh, Warner Brothers Discovery last week reporting that their streaming business is starting to turn around a profit. I think there is ongoing pressure to see some slightly more positive results in that segment. And just taking a closer look at these earnings, paid subscriptions to Disney Plus also fell to 158 point or 157.8 million. Analysts had expected 163.1 million. Disney hiked the price of its ad-free streaming service by 38% in December, and that may have impacted subscriber numbers. And profit at Disney's traditional TV business also fell 35% to $1.83 billion. It's the result of higher sports programming costs and lower advertising. And at the moment, Disney shares are trading down 4.3% in late trading. Well, let's talk a little bit more about U.S. retail inflation. We had evidence of moderation in the month of April. The government saying that the consumer price index was up at a rate of 4.9% from last year. This is the first sub-5% reading in two years. Services prices, excluding housing and energy, also posted the smallest advance since last summer. Here's Vincent Reinhardt, chief economist at Dreyfus & Mellon. Inflation is projected to continue to soften. That will be good news, but it doesn't change the core problem. There's some momentum there. Core question to ask is, was today's print disqualifying for Fed action in June? I think the answer is no. 
That is Vince Reinhardt from Dreyfus Mellon. By the way, today's CPI report will be one of several factors that the Fed can use in its policymaking decision next month. The Fed will also receive CPI for May. We'll also have the reports on the employment market and the Fed's preferred measure for inflation, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index. Well, the rescuer of Silicon Valley Bank has seen a big jump in deposits and announced also a very large profit on the Silicon Valley Bank acquisition. Let's get the story. And by the way, the stock was up 7.5 percent. Let's get the story from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. First Citizen says deposits topped $140 billion in the first quarter, beating estimates. The SVB acquisition added a preliminary gain of almost $10 billion to First Citizen's net income and contributed $65 million in interest income for the first three months of the year. The SVB deal following its collapse in March vaulted First Citizens into the top 15 U.S. banks. It has bought up more than 20 FDIC-assisted banks since 2009. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And now to U.S. accounting firms doing business in China, KPMG's affiliate in China, as well as PwC's Hong Kong member firm, both fell short in vetting their clients' accounting or internal controls. This was in seven of eight audits from 2020, reviewed by the U.S. Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. We heard from PCAOB Chair Erica Williams. We did uncover a number of deficiencies, and it is an opportunity now for us to hold firms accountable to fix those problems. These uh, firms that we inspected covered 40 percent of the U.S. um, market share of companies that were audited by uh, China and Hong Kong firms. That is PCAOB Chair Erica Williams. Now, the publication of the KPMG and uh, PWC assessments mark a milestone for the CAOB. These are the first inspection reports the regulator has released for China-based audit firms in its 20-year history. Now, these results do reflect an historic agreement the U.S. audit regulator made last year with authorities in Beijing. In the past, Beijing has blocked the board from inspecting and investigating Chinese auditors citing national security concerns. Brian? Meantime, China has named a little-known local government official as the nation's top financial regulator. We get the story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong in Hong Kong. Former banker Li Yunzi is being elevated from his latest job as a vice governor of Sichuan province. He's now party secretary of the newly formed National Financial Supervision and Management Bureau. It's considered a surprise move, as a person with more experience was expected. The appointment also stands in contrast to leadership changes made in March. At that time, Beijing reappointed several top economic officials to provide continuity. Li's role would involve regulating thousands of banks, insurers, and trust firms. The appointment comes as an anti-graft campaign in the finance industry gathers steam. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner. Doug, you said something in the data check that really got my attention. You probably don't know exactly what that is, but uh, I'll tell you, it's when you said that the swaps market is pricing in more cuts now at, uh, from the Fed as, as a result of the slightly softer inflation reading. So what does that tell us? I think many of us were thinking that the market was thinking that the Fed would be 
be forced to cut rates because of recession, because of bad news. But here you get it, a sign that they're increasing their action on cuts or their prediction on cuts due to inflation falling. I think that's quite interesting. Yeah, I think there's some people who are looking for a pretty aggressive decline in the rate of inflation. And I would put on that list the head of former head of the New York Fed, Bill Dudley. He is saying that a pullback in the rise of housing costs will push headline U.S. inflation below, below 3% by the end of this year. He also told us that housing inflation is going to come down, obviously, pretty dramatically. That's his opinion. He is also a Bloomberg opinion columnist. Yeah, it's certainly not the opinion of the Fed and of Jay Powell. But here's here's one thing. I think with this report, the narrative may, and I stress the word may, the narrative may switch to how long the Fed stays at these levels rather than will it hike in June. And there's one other interesting point here uh, about whether or not you think the market has done its job. The S&P 500 fell more last year than uh, during Volcker's reign when he was crushing inflation. So it may be that that 27% sell-off we saw last year was enough to discount whatever is happening this year. And away from the Fed, let's remember there is still the likelihood of a great deal additional uh, contraction in credit as a result of a lot of the stress that we have seen in the regional banking system. Uh, we probably have to run, but I wanted to make one quick point about Li Yunzi, uh, the new financial regulator. State media went and looked at his old speeches, and he was very much in the camp that banks need to support economic development and prevent financial risks. So that very much fits with President Xi's push for common prosperity and China's version of socialized capitalism. That's something we'll be taking a, a closer look at later this morning. Now it's time for Global News. U.S. Congressman George Santos has been freed on $500,000 of bail after pleading not guilty to a variety of alleged federal crimes. Ed Baxter with Global News in the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, exactly right, Brian. 13 counts, including election fraud, stealing from his election campaign, money laundering, wire fraud, making false statements to Congress. He has surrendered his passport. It's a witch hunt because it, it, it makes no sense that in four months, four months, five months, I'm indicted. And he says emotionally he's doing well. I'm going to fight my battle. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to fight the witch. Hunt. I'm going to take care of clearing my name, and I look forward to doing that. As for Congress, there's nothing says he has to resign. Elections are very tricky, and it's up to the people. I trust them to decide what's best. Yeah, which is what got us here in the first place. Now, Bloomberg's Megan Scully says House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says if Santos is convicted, well, he could ask him to resign. But McCarthy needs every vote he can get. Remember, he got his budget deal through. He's squeaked it through um, with just two additional votes, 217 to 215. He loses Santos and he loses a vote. Um, And that's how he sees it right now. And McCarthy? In America, we'll we'll just follow the same pattern we always have, right? If a person is indicted, they're not on committees, they have the right to vote, but they have to go to trial. And votes are really important with the debt ceiling morass that is going on right now. As for that, a lot of noise around it and House uh, spending cut proposals, of course, floating ahead of Friday's second meeting. Bloomberg's Jack Fitzpatrick says it is hard to know how much work now is being done behind the scenes. Nobody seems to agree fully on whether those staff-level conversations are <laughs> actually about the debt limit. The Republicans came out and said we're going to have staff-level conversations. We're going to meet again Friday on the debt limit. Democrats, including Senator Schumer, said... 
Well, we're going to talk about the budget process and appropriations bills, but we're not going to let the Republicans tie those two together. Uh, Jack says a possible middle road could be for them to find an agreement on path forward without making it into a debt ceiling bill or possibly folding it into another. But whether or not that'll fly at this point is not known. And uh, President Biden out of New York State with his pitch today. According to estimates, the Republican bill would put 21 million people at risk of losing Medicaid, including 2.3 million people here in New York State and 78,000 people right here in Westchester County. Uh, Biden says he's standing firm on not allowing that to happen. Hong Kong legislators now have passed the legislation has been in the works for a while to veto foreign lawyers from national security cases. It gives the government more control over the legal system and puts the Beijing demand into Hong Kong's books. And India's election season picks up. Prime Minister Narendra Modi has turned his attention to Karnataka, one of the India's wealthiest states. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street. The promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Rashad Salamat, and we are here in our Hong Kong studios welcoming to the show Eric Sterner, CIO of Apollon Wealth Management. So, Eric, does a soft landing work for you, given all that we learned over the past week? Oh uh, well. Th- first of all, thanks for having me on the show, and and uh, I, I would I would love to to say I I, I believed a, a soft landing was in the cards, um, but I do think we are heading towards a recession. I think um, you know, we we have a a lot of evidence pointing towards that, and uh, just just we've seen twelve months of the leading economic indicators um, in negative territory, and the longest going back the last thirty years, the longest stretch we've seen leading economic indicators. Uh, uh, negative without a recession has been three months. So here we are 12 months into it and um, obviously plenty of other signs. So I do think we are heading towards a recession, probably a mild one um, towards the end of this year. Eric, that, that's something that we're seeing really at the moment in the belly of the uh, uh, yield curve, are we not in some senses? And, you know, at the short end, we've had a lot of uh, a, a lot of ructions, if you will, with not just the debate over the debt ceiling, the concerns over inflation, that some of those now may abate a little bit at least, and uh, not least the prospect of further financial turmoil. And so at the a shorter end, it's a lot of confusion. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I think there's there's a lot of disconnect between the Fed, the bond market, and even the stock market. Uh, you know, the, the Fed uh, 
you know, whether they hike again in June, I don't think that's really relevant. Is what's another 25 basis points? The disconnect is really just the Fed telling us that they're going to maintain restrictive rate levels for the rest of this year while the market's pricing in three cuts. And I'm of the opinion that that the Fed is telling us the truth. And, and um, you know, the, the, the inflation, while, yes, it was welcome news today that we saw the, the continued downward trend, it's very slow, and, and inflation is remaining sticky and stubborn, and I, I think it's going to take uh, all of this year and potentially some of 2024 to get it back down to its target level. Eric, the inflation scare was caused by probably three extraordinary events, the Ukraine war, the pandemic, and then the huge response to both by monetary and, and fiscal authorities. This was not an organic bout of inflation. Yeah, we saw a 27% sell-off in U.S. stocks last year, and we've had a slowdown in growth. Uh, is it that far of a stretch to think that you might avoid recession because this was not something that took a long time in developing? It came on fast, and it might leave fast. Well, yeah, but we're, we're st- we still have um, you know plenty of, of cleanup and, and you know I, I'm calling the COVID hangover that we're dealing with because um, you know we still have imbalance in the labor markets where the labor participation rate is still 0.7 below um, where it was pre-pandemic. And you say, well, what's 0.7? That, that's nearly 2 million uh, workers in, in the U.S. And that's what's keeping uh, the labor market tight. One of the reasons it's keeping it tight and, and also uh, applying pressure to um, uh, wage growth. And that's feeding into inflation, too. So I think, um, you know, we, we need to get more people in our labor force. You know, we saw about 500,000 re-enter the uh, market um, back in uh, February, or, or March, I should say. But in this last reading, April, we saw it actually uh, that, that stall out. So we're starting to see a slow increase. But I think we do have some other structural um, issues that we're dealing with that are continuing to put some upward pressure on inflation, mm-hmm. in addition to, to all the um, the, the causes that you mentioned there with the pandemic and, of course, the uh, Ukraine conflict. Is this something here, um, Eric, that uh, would be uh, not that uh, different to the Minsky moment here? Because, I mean, what we do have is years of free money building up asset bubbles. And, you know, that's never of good. And, you know, got commercial real estate and indeed also, you know, just real estate generally and looking at markets, too. And then uh, suddenly you get this shock of uh, of uh, prices rising. And then suddenly also, of course, uh, the the debt servicing costing that much more. Oh, you're scaring me. You're scaring Eric. <laughs> well, well, I've been scared for a while. Yeah, I think uh, there, there's there's a lot to to be concerned. There's always risks in the market that we have to navigate, but I think those risks are mounting now. And um, between what we're seeing with the, the stress on the regional banks, um, and and uh, I, I think you know being under these restrictive rate levels, um, you know, I, I, I do think we see more downside risk in the markets. And I mean, looking right now, we, we're, we're about to officially go into earnings recession. While the earnings this quarter have not nearly been as bad as some had feared, they're still negative for a second quarter in a row, and expectations yeah. are for negative earnings in the second quarter of nearly six percent. Um, and while some analysts are predicting to, to see growth in the third and fourth quarter, I think they're also pricing in those rate cuts, which obviously, I, I, you know, as I mentioned before, yeah. I, I don't believe is going to happen. Okay. So I think we are going to see some more earnings deterioration going into this year. Until let, we get- me, 
let me outbear you then, uh, that w- because uh, there is another way of looking at it. I think this is a point that was made quite cogently there by Rish, which is that you built up a lot of excesses during this long period of, of super low interest rates. And you're going to have to rationalize that. Everybody who borrowed money, you know, at 0% and invested in things, and now they've, you know, they're kind of, the, the issues are coming home to roost. So that'll, that might take three to five years to work through the system. Uh, you, you, you may not have an implosion, but a long period of recovering. Are you that bearish? I'm not that bearish. I, I, I think once we get past, um, you know, get inflation back under control, um, I, I do think we'll be set up for recovery in 2024. That'll allow the Fed to start cutting rates. Uh, but no, I, I'm not bearish enough to uh, say this is going to last uh, multiple years. I think we'll be set up for recovery uh, at some point in 2024. Um just very, very, it's, it's not a nice thing to say because it does affect a lot of people. And it's, uh, and it's uh, do we need a recession to cleanse the economy? Yes, I believe so. I think um, you know, there's just still a lot of excess, excessive demand out there. And, and again, with all the stimulus that, that was paid, it really helped improve consumers' um, balance sheets. And that's why we're seeing you know, the uh, excessive demand so as people are, have a lot of money to spend and they have jobs and so they're going to keep on spending. But I think we're going to need to uh, see a recession happen and, and to, for that unemployment rate to go up in order to dampen that demand and bring more people back into the labor mm. force. And then once all that happens, hopefully we'll, we'll be set up for a strong, healthy recovery uh, next year. Yeah. yeah, you're sort of scaring the kids there, Eric. Uh, in fact, I'm having, I'm having breakfast here with two scary guys, you and Rish, and there's Doug over on the side as well, and he, he generally tends to be bearish. Eric, thanks very much for joining us. So we appreciate it. Eric Sterner, CIO of Apollon Wealth Management. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.